Section 60, Introduction. Joseph Smith and the other leaders of the church had been in Missouri only a little over three weeks, and here's what they had accomplished. They had arrived in the middle of July, 1831, after walking 240 miles from St. Louis. On July the 17th, they held the first worship service in the community of Independence, Missouri. On July 25th, the Coldsville branch arrived from Thompson, Ohio, and was settled 12 miles west of Independence in Kaw, K-A-W Township, which is now a suburb of Kansas City. On July 31st, Joseph Smith received Section 57, indicating where the Temple of Zion would be located, also the site for the New Jerusalem. On August the 1st, Joseph Smith received Section 58, indicating to the saints that the redemption of Zion will involve many trials and tribulations. On August the 2nd, in accordance with God's instructions, Sidney Rigdon dedicated the land as the habitation of the saints and the place of their inheritance in Zion. On August the 3rd, Joseph Smith dedicated the site of the temple in New Jerusalem. On August the 4th, Joseph Smith helped the Colesville branch settled in Caw Township and lay the foundation for the first house. On August the 7th, Joseph Smith received Section 59, emphasizing the principles of the gospel which must characterize the new Zion society. On August the 8th, Joseph Smith received Section 60 of the Doctrine and Covenants, instructing the leaders of the church to return to Kirtland. On August the 9th, Joseph Smith and ten associates commenced their journey back to Kirtland, which was still the stronghold of the church. Since Section 60 of the Doctrine and Covenants was the last revelation which Joseph received in Missouri, let us analyze its provisions. Behold, thus saith the Lord unto the elders of his church, who are to return speedily to the land from whence they came. Behold, it pleaseth me that you have come up hither. The Lord directs the elders who are the leaders of the church to quickly return to Kirtland. The Lord says he is pleased that they made the long journey to Missouri and implies that he is very pleased with what they have accomplished. But with some... I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths, but they hide the talent which I have given unto them, because of the fear of man. Woe unto such, for mine anger is kindled against them. And it shall come to pass, if they are not more faithful unto me, it shall be taken away even that which they have. However, the Lord is not pleased with a lot of the elders who were set apart to be missionaries and preach the gospel on the way to Missouri. Too often they did not take advantage of the opportunity to preach and raise up branches of the church. These elders were lacking in faith and did not assert themselves. For this the Lord says he is angry, and if they do not repent and exert themselves, they will be released from their calling. For I, the Lord, rule in the heavens above, and among the armies of the earth, and in the day when I shall make up my jewels, all men shall know what it is that bespeaketh the power of God. The Lord is anxious to perform a great labor. 
but he cannot do it with weaklings and timid souls who will not bear their testimonies and preach the gospel. He reminds these backsliders that he is the ruler of the heavens and whole armies are subject to his control. In other words, why are they faithless and timid? But verily I will speak unto you concerning your journey unto the land from whence you came. Let there be a craft made or bought as seemeth you good. It mattereth not unto me. And take your journey speedily for the place which is called St. Louis. The Lord instructs the elders who are returning to Kirtland to get a craft by which they can travel down the Missouri River to St. Louis. And from thence let my servants Sidney Rigdon, Joseph Smith Jr., and Oliver Cowdery take their journey for Cincinnati. And in this place let them lift up their voice and declare my word with loud voices, without wrath or doubting, lifting up holy hands upon them. For I am able to make you holy, and your sins are forgiven you. At that point, Joseph Smith, Oliver Cowdery, and Sidney Rigdon were to proceed over to the Ohio River and stop off at Cincinnati. There they were to preach the gospel before proceeding toward home. And let the residue take their journey from St. Louis, two by two, and preach the word, not in haste, among the congregations of the wicked, until they return to the churches from whence they came. Meanwhile, the residue of the missionaries were to take the time to go two by two and preach the gospel wherever they could all the way back to Kirtland. And all this for the good of the churches, for this intent have I sent them. And let my servant Edward Partridge impart of the money which I have given him, a portion unto mine elders who are commanded to return. And he that is able, let him return it by the way of the agent. And he that is not, of him it is not required. Although the missionaries are accustomed to traveling without purse or script, and relying on the Christian generosity of the people for their necessities, the Lord said he wanted to give each pair of missionaries a little money in case they encountered an emergency. However, if they were able to get along without spending the money, the Lord said they should return it to the bishop. And now I speak of the residue who are to come unto this land. At this point, the Lord wants to give some advice to those who are planning to travel to Zion. Behold, they have been sent to preach my gospel among the congregations of the wicked. Wherefore I give unto them a commandment thus, Thou shalt not idle away thy time, neither shalt thou bury thy talent, that it may not be known. And after thou hast come up unto the land of Zion, and hast proclaimed my word, Thou shalt speedily return, proclaiming my word among the congregations of the wicked, not in haste, neither in wrath, nor with strife. These elders are called upon to preach the gospel all the way to Zion. They shall seek audiences among the various congregations of the wicked, meaning the congregations of the wide variety of denominations. While on these missions, the Lord says he does not want the elders to idle away their time or saunter from place to place without vigorously endeavoring to let the people know the gospel is being restored. And shake off the dust of thy feet against those who receive thee not, not in their presence, lest thou provoke them, but in secret. 
and wash thy feet as a testimony against them in the day of judgment. The Lord said that if the missionaries were rudely rejected or mistreated, they were authorized to perform a ceremony against them. This consisted of shaking the dust from their feet, or actually washing their feet, as a testimony that God's judgment should come upon that house. Behold, this is sufficient for you, and the will of him who hath sent you. And by the mouth of my servant Joseph Smith, Jr., it shall be made known concerning Sidney Rigdon and Oliver Cowdery, the residue hereafter. Even so. Amen. This verse says it will be revealed to Joseph Smith what the Lord has in mind for Sidney Rigdon and Oliver Cowdery, as well as the residue of the missionaries after they have arrived back in Ohio. Section 61, Introduction On August the 9th, 1831, Joseph Smith and ten companions embarked on the Missouri River in a flotilla of 16 canoes. This was the beginning of their journey back to Kirtland. By the first night, Joseph says they had reached Fort Osage, where they had a feast of excellent wild turkey. However, during the next two days, some disagreeable conversations developed among some of the elders. By the third day, they found themselves in very turbulent waters, and a near disaster occurred. One of the canoes capsized, and Sidney Rigdon nearly drowned. After toiling against the churning waters of the river, the brethren finally landed safely on the banks of McElwain's Bend on the Missouri River, a few miles west of DeWitt. During this third day, and while some of the brethren had been engaged in their quarrelsome dispute, William W. Felt suddenly heard a violent roaring noise and saw an open vision of Satan and all his power threshing about on the face of the boisterous waters. Others in the company heard the violent noise but did not see anything. This had a very sobering effect on everybody, and the next morning, after they had knelt in prayer, Joseph received the following revelation. Behold, and hearken unto the voice of him who has all power, who is from everlasting to everlasting, even Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Behold, verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, O ye elders of my church who are assembled upon this spot, whose sins are now forgiven you. For I, the Lord, forgive sins, and am merciful unto those who confess their sins with humble hearts. The Savior assures them that whatever offenses they may have committed during this time of strong and frustrating difficulty, their sins are now forgiven them. But verily I say unto you, that it is not needful for this whole company of mine elders to be moving swiftly upon the waters, whilst the inhabitants on either side are perishing in unbelief. One element of criticism by the Lord is that the whole company seems so anxious to get home that none of them are taking time to spread the good news of the gospel among the inhabitants along the waterfront. In other words, these people need to hear that the gospel has been restored and the Book of Mormon is now available as a second witness that Jesus is the Christ. Nevertheless, I suffered it that ye might bear record. Behold, there are many dangers upon the waters, and more especially hereafter. 
For I, the Lord, have decreed in mine anger many destructions upon the waters, yea, and especially upon these waters. The Lord indicates that there was a purpose in allowing Satan to exhibit himself on this occasion, because there are many dangers upon the waters, and it will be much more so in the future. He further indicated that the wrath of God against the wickedness of the people will be manifested in the overflowing of tempestuous floodwaters in the land, especially in this region. Nevertheless, all flesh is in mine hand, and he that is faithful among you shall not perish by the waters. However, the Lord is mindful of his faithful saints and assures them as he does in other places, such as section 97, verse 25, that the righteous will receive special protection. Wherefore, it is expedient that my servant Sidney Gilbert and my servant William W. Phelps be in haste upon their errand and mission. The Lord verifies that there are special reasons why Sidney Gilbert and William W. Phelps should proceed directly to their homes so they can immediately undertake their new assignments. These brethren were assigned to purchase a printing press and transport it to Missouri. William W. Phelps was to become the printer of the church. This is in Doctrine and Covenants 55 and 4 and 57 and 11. Sidney Rigdon was to be the purchasing agent for the church, and that was set forth in Doctrine and Covenants 57 and 6. Nevertheless, I would not suffer that ye should part until you were chastened for all your sins, that you might be one, that you might not perish in wickedness. However, he verifies that the capsizing of one canoe and the near drowning of Sidney Rigdon, as well as the other mishaps associated with this journey, are part of the Lord's intent to chasten them for their offenses and unite them, since otherwise they would perish in wickedness. But now verily I say, it behooveth me that ye should part. Wherefore let my servant Sidney Gilbert and William W. Phelps take their former company, and let them take their journey in haste, that they may fill their mission, and through faith they shall overcome. And inasmuch as they are faithful, they shall be preserved, and I, the Lord, will be with them. At this point, Sidney Gilbert and William W. Phelps are to travel independently so as to hasten back to Kirtland and get their respective assignments underway. And let the residue take that which is needful for clothing. Let my servant Sidney Gilbert take that which is not needful with him, as you shall agree. And now, behold, for your good, I gave unto you a commandment concerning these things. And I, the Lord, will reason with you as with men in days of old. Since Sidney Gilbert has been the agent for the collection of money and clothing, he is to fill the needs of the missionaries and then take what is left with him. Now the Lord returns to the subject of the dangerous waters, and he makes a rather astonishing statement. He says that John the Beloved cursed the waters so that in the latter days there will come a time when no flesh will be safe upon the waters. Behold, I the Lord in the beginning blessed the waters, but in the last days by the mouth of my servant John I cursed the waters. Wherefore the days will come that no flesh shall be safe upon the waters. 
And it shall be said in days to come that none is able to go up to the land of Zion upon the waters, but he that is upright in heart. This last verse carries some ominous implications. It means that Zion will be isolated and protected by dangerous waters so that only the righteous can go up to Zion. Luke described these developments in the latter days and said he saw the, quote, sea and waves roaring, unquote. That's in Luke 21 and 25. This prophecy has very broad dimensions as a result of Joseph Smith's definition of Zion. He said it comprised all of North and South America. He said, quote, the whole of America is Zion itself from North and South, and that's in his teachings, page 462. There are also prophecies indicating that this whole continent will be especially blessed. For example, and it shall come to pass among the wicked that every man that will not take his sword against his neighbor must needs flee unto Zion for safety, and there shall be gathered unto it out of every nation under heaven, and it shall be the only people that shall not be at war one with another." This is the Doctrine and Covenants, section 45, verses 68 to 69. If the American continent becomes isolated by violent storms and people flee to the Western Hemisphere seeking peace, it suggests that while the rest of the world is at war, the saints will be at peace and using this period of isolation to build Zion cities in both North and South America. And of course, this would include the greatest city of all, the New Jerusalem. However, before America becomes sanctified and isolated, there is a curse upon her waters. Joseph Fielding Smith commented on this temporary period of cursed waters when he said, quote, In regard to the Missouri-Mississippi waters, we have seen year by year great destruction upon them, and coming from them, millions upon millions of dollars almost annually are lost by this great stream overflowing its banks. Many have lost their lives in these floods as they sweep over the land, and even upon this apparently tranquil or sluggish stream, there can arise storms that bring destruction. Verily the word of the Lord has been and is being fulfilled in relation to those waters. While the Lord has spoken of the sea heaving itself beyond its bounds and the waves roaring, yet we must include the great destruction upon the waters by the means of war, and especially by submarine warfare, as we have learned of it in recent years, unquote. Joseph Fielding Smith, Church History and Modern Revelation, Volume 1, page 224. And as I, the Lord, in the beginning cursed the land, even so in the last days have I blessed it in its time for the use of my saints, that they may partake the fatness thereof. So while the waters will be cursed in the latter days and have deadly dangers to be avoided, this land will be blessed and provide great treasures for the saints. And now I give unto you a commandment that what I say unto one, I say unto all, that you shall forewarn your brethren concerning these waters, that they come not in journeying upon them, lest their faith fail, and they are caught in snares. I, the Lord, have decreed, and the destroyer rideth upon the face thereof, and I revoke not the decree. 
Here the Lord is simply saying that John the Beloved cursed the waters, and his decree will not be revoked for the present. Therefore the saints should keep this in mind as they journey back and forth to Zion. I, the Lord, was angry with you yesterday, but today mine anger is turned away. This is an interesting verse. The group traveling with Joseph Smith had aroused the anger of the Lord, and for this reason they had almost suffered a severe catastrophe. However, the Lord has now accepted their change of heart and has forgiven them. Wherefore, let those concerning whom I have spoken, that should take their journey in haste, again I say unto you, let them take their journey in haste, and it mattereth not unto me, after a little, if it so be that they fill their mission, whether they go by water or by land, let this be as it is made known unto them according to their judgments hereafter. So the Lord refers back to Sidney Gilbert and William W. Phelps, who have key positions to fill in Zion. Therefore he is anxious that they arrange their affairs so they can quickly get the necessary equipment and speedily return to Missouri. And now concerning my servants, Sidney Rigdon, Joseph Smith, Jr., and Oliver Cowdery. Let them come not again upon the waters, save it be upon the canal, while journeying unto their homes. Or in other words, they shall not come upon the waters to journey, save upon the canal. It is interesting that the Lord is still greatly concerned about their traveling on the waters, and ask them to travel by land except where they can use the canal, which would be entirely safe. Behold, I, the Lord, have appointed a way for the journeying of my saints. And behold, this is the way, that after they leave the canal they shall journey by land, inasmuch as they are commanded to journey and go up unto the land of Zion. The Lord says the safe route for the saints when going to Zion should be to use the canal when it is available, but otherwise they should travel by land. And they shall do like unto the children of Israel, pitching their tents by the way. And behold, this commandment you shall give unto all your brethren. The saints who are traveling to Zion as a body should stay together and camp together along the way, just as ancient Israel did. Nevertheless, unto whom is given power to command the waters, unto him it is given by the Spirit to know all his ways. Wherefore, let him do as the Spirit of the living God commandeth him, whether upon the land or upon the waters, as it remaineth with me to do hereafter. And unto you is given the course for the saints, or the way for the saints of the camp of the Lord to journey. The Lord then makes an exception to the prohibition against traveling on the waters, and says that if one of their leaders has sufficient faith to command the waters so as to lift the curse, they may travel on those waters if the Spirit indicates that it is safe. And again, verily I say unto you, my servants Sidney Rigdon, Joseph Smith, Jr., and Oliver Cowdery, shall not open their mouths in the congregations of the wicked until they arrive at Cincinnati. Now the Lord warns Joseph Smith, Sidney Rigdon, and Oliver Cowdery not to become involved in missionary work until they reach the city of Cincinnati. And in that place they shall lift up their voices unto God against that people, 
Yea, unto him whose anger is kindled against their wickedness, a people who are well nigh ripened for destruction. In this city their preaching is to be for the purpose of warning the people that the depths of their wickedness is almost beyond the Lord's endurance, and they can expect his judgments to fall upon them if they do not repent. And from thence let them journey for the congregations of their brethren, for their labors even now are wanted more abundantly among them than among the congregations of the wicked. Following the warning of the wicked in Cincinnati, they are to spend time preaching only to the members of the church in their various branches along the way. And now concerning the residue, let them journey and declare the word among the congregations of the wicked inasmuch as it is given. And inasmuch as they do this, they shall rid their garments, and they shall be spotless before me. As for the rest of the elders, they may seek opportunities to teach the various denominations along the way. It is interesting that the Lord refer to them as the congregations of the wicked, but in every congregation there are choice people who will respond to the gospel message once they have had a chance to hear it. And let them journey together, or two by two, as seemeth them good. Only let my servant Reynolds Cahoon and my servant Samuel H. Smith, with whom I am well pleased, be not separated until they return to their homes, and this for a wise purpose in me. Among the missionaries, the Lord is especially pleased with Reynolds Cahoon and Samuel Smith. They have done such outstanding work that the Savior does not want them to be split up, but work together until they reach home. Now verily I say unto you, and what I say unto one I say unto all, Be of good cheer, little children, for I am in your midst, and I have not forsaken you. And inasmuch as you have humbled yourselves before me, the blessings of the kingdom are yours. Gird up your loins, and be watchful, and be sober, looking forth for the coming of the Son of Man. For he cometh in an hour you think not. Pray always that you enter not into temptation, that you may abide the day of his coming, whether in life or in death. Even so. Amen. The Lord reminds them that he is in their midst and watching over them. They should prepare themselves so they are ready for the Son of Man to show himself and set up his kingdom. They can only do this if they pray frequently and resist temptation. For all of this they will receive great blessings, whether in this life or in the life to come. Section 62, Introduction On August the 11th, which was the day after the previous revelation, Joseph says they were delighted to meet a number of elders coming from Kirtland who were on their way to Zion. He says, quote, After the joyous salutation with which brethren meet each other, I received the following revelation. And that's the statement of Joseph Smith in the History of the Church, Volume 1, page 205. Now the text of section 62. Behold and hearken, O ye elders of my church, saith the Lord your God, even Jesus Christ, your advocate, who knoweth the weakness of man, and how to succor them who are tempted. 
In this verse, the Lord is apparently referring to the weakness of Joseph and his companions that had brought on the near catastrophe the day before. And verily mine eyes are upon those who have not as yet gone up unto the land of Zion. Wherefore, your mission is not yet full. The Lord wants the elders who are traveling to Zion to know that the Lord is watching them and that they must not consider their missions fulfilled until they actually arrive at their destination. Nevertheless, ye are blessed, for the testimony which ye have borne is recorded in heaven for the angels to look upon, and they rejoice over you, and your sins are forgiven you. However, the Lord is highly pleased with the testimonies they have borne as they have come along on this journey. He says their words have been recorded in heaven, and the angels have rejoiced over their integrity. And for all of this, the Lord says their sins are forgiven them. And now continue your journey. Assemble yourselves upon the land of Zion, and hold a meeting and rejoice together, and offer a sacrament unto the Most High. It is interesting that the Lord wants them to gather together in Jackson County, Missouri, and hold a sacrament meeting to memorialize the completion of their journey. And then you may return to bear record, yea, even all together, or two by two, as seemeth you good. It mattereth not unto me. Only be faithful, and declare glad tidings unto the inhabitants of the earth, or among the congregations of the wicked. Apparently the Lord did not expect the missionaries to linger long in Zion. After all, their families awaited them back in Kirtland, and he wanted them to return home and bear testimony to the remarkable things they had experienced on this missionary journey. In fact, on the way home, he wants these elders to preach the gospel en route. They can do this in couples or as a group, and they can contact individual homes or ask for the privilege of addressing entire congregations. In this age, there were numerous assemblies of different denominations, but the Lord does not have a very high opinion of these congregations representing themselves as Christians, as before he refers to them as, quote, congregations of the wicked, unquote. But as we pointed out before, there are choice people in each of these congregations who will appreciate the gospel and accept it if they have a chance to hear it. Behold, I, the Lord, have brought you together that the promise might be fulfilled, that the faithful among you should be preserved and rejoice together in the land of Missouri. I, the Lord, promise the faithful and cannot lie. The Lord says the congregating of the elders in Missouri is to fulfill one of the earlier prophecies. He had said that if they were faithful, he promised them that they would congregate together in Missouri, and this is now being fulfilled. I, the Lord, am willing, if any among you desire to ride upon horses or upon mules or in chariots, he shall receive this blessing if he receive it from the hand of the Lord with a thankful heart in all things. It is unusual for the Lord to make any reference to horses as a means of transportation for the missionaries. However, here he talks about their using horses, mules, or chariots as a means of returning home. 
The Lord says he is leaving it up to them because they should be thankful for whatever blessings come to them as they obtain the means to return to their homes in Ohio. These things remain with you to do according to judgment and the directions of the Spirit. Inasmuch as the Lord has suggested discretionary decisions on the part of the missionaries, he says their decisions should be governed by good judgment and the whisperings of the Spirit. No mission president could have said it any better. Behold, the kingdom is yours, and behold and lo, I am with the faithful always. Even so. Amen. The main thing to keep in mind is that the restored kingdom of God is in their hands, and the Savior plans to be with them always. If you are enjoying this podcast with W. Cleon Skousen, you might enjoy his lecture recordings while at Brigham Young University, found at skousenlibrary.com.